starting last week, we've had a chance to look at um, a separate series. So we took a little, a little break from, um, from the book of, of Philippians, and I wanted to just take some time to really talk about that because a lot of the questions we've been having one-on-one and in the office and just out eating a meal and just people are at different stages. And uh, what do we do? What do I do with my life? And where is my life headed? Um, is there a purpose and a plan for my life has really been the question that has been um, on not only my mind um, with many of you, but many people who aren't even, even here. And I wanted to take this time. Last week, we, we said basically in our attempt to answer that question, we said we've got to start with, with why. If we want to find out what we're supposed to be doing with ourselves and with our life, and I think this is important, because you only live once. Guys, the chances of you and I being on this earth, 400 trillion to one, right? Mom could have easily and dad could have easily not had that chance, right? And you and I would not have been here. The, the fact that you and I are here is no accident, right? And I want you to understand, if you're here, if you're alive and well, and you're breathing and you're on this earth, you're blessed to be able to live and move and go about discovering what God's purpose for your life is. But the question is, are we using this season of our life, this time in our life, is the life that we're living one that's lived from purpose? Are we just going about our day week to week? day-to-day, month-to-month, just existing. And so how we sought to answer this question was, really, how do you find? Remember we talked about how do you find your why, right? Your why. When I say why, I'm really talking about, I'm really talking about purpose, right? I'm really talking about purpose. What has to do with what I do, right? Um, I'm an engineer. I'm a teacher. I'm an Uber driver. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I'm a pastor. I'm a businessman. I'm an entrepreneur. Um, That's what we do. How may distinguish what we do from the next person? or how we're able to bring value to the marketplace that differs or distinguishes itself from another person. But we're still not getting to our why. My why gets at me and what really makes me click. And it's got to be more than, what do we say, money. It's got to be more than status. It's got to be more than just what we called freedom. I just want an island somewhere where I can just chill and, and drink lemonade or whatever is your kick, and, and just coast through life. And so we want to make sure that the careers that we're pursuing, the life's choices that we're running after are not ones that we're running after simply because of the money. Maybe Forbes said something about it, or maybe someone that we know is in that position told us a thing or two about it. Now, there's nothing wrong with money. But at the end of the day, you don't want to make the very thing that you're living a good chunk, if not all, of your life about money, per se. You see, people who work, whether they're employees, 
in an organization or a company, or whether you're someone who's an owner or an employer who employs people and wants to see your company or organization succeed, or wherever you may be, we want to make sure that whatever it is that we're a part about, a part of, is bigger than us. I want to, I want to feel that what I'm contributing to, this thing that I'm a part of, even a church, I want to know that if I'm going to be a member at this church, I want to feel like I'm a part of something bigger than me, right? That even though my contribution to this church may seem on surface as insignificant or it could, it could be there or not, I want to make sure at the end of the day when I connect it with the big picture, the meta narrative, that it's bigger than me. That's why someone could be doing something where on its surface it may not look like much. What, what gives them motivation? What gives them passion about what they're doing? Why is it that there are janitors that I know who own janitorial services but operate them and run them like they're running Fortune 500 enterprises? It's not the task itself. It's not the job itself and whatever sort of value the market may place at it. It's their why. It's their why. And that why transcends the dollar amount. It transcends that because that's going to run dry. There are many people. I know, I know people who are making $40,000 a year who are happy, fulfilled with their lives. They get to see their families every evening. They get to enjoy time with their kids. They're building memories, and they get to do other things with their life that also matter to them. I know people who are making millions who are happy with their lives, and I also know many who are miserable. And so there's nothing about having money per se or chasing money alone that's going to help you discover God's purpose and God's plan for your life. Remember we said in Genesis in chapter 1, last week in verse 26, we talked about how we as human beings are, were created in God's image. Remember that? Which means we're put on this earth to represent him. We're put on this earth to reflect him, to mirror him. Which is to say that when people look at us, they should get a pretty good idea of who God is and what God is like. Not by just going to God himself, although that's true, but also by looking at us and the way in which we're living our lives. We're mirrors. What do mirrors do? That's right. They reflect. Mirrors reflect. And so you and I were put on this earth to reflect the glory of God, the goodness of God, the purposes of God here on this earth. That's why we live. And every day we wake up, we're supposed to be waking up with this sort of fire within our soul, with this sort of passion to want to get up all over again and embrace the day, not just for its own sake, but because of our why. God went on in that verse to say that we were called to, to have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and of, over the heavens and over, next verse, livestock and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, next verse, and we were called to, next verse, 28, <laughs> multiply and then subdue. That's the word I'm looking at. You and I were called to subdue. In other words, creation is supposed to be under our feet. We're supposed to be taking that which exists, that which is out there in the world, and so flipping it, right? So turning it over and making something valuable and meaningful that the world could be better off with. Bye. We were never created to worship creation. We were created to worship our creator God. We were created to use part of creation for that ultimate end. 
But the only way that that's going to happen, the only way we're not going to make marriage it, my career it, ministry it, but we're going to use these vehicles as means by which we glorify God, worship God, reflect God, point to God, is when we understand our why. Our why. And so there's challenges. A lot of times when we're thinking about what did, do I go to school? And if I go to school, what degree among the millions of degrees that are out there, how do I know which major to pursue? How do I know which professions to go after? How do I know when it's time for me to transition from one to the next? How do, know, how do I know when my seasons change? Or maybe I've been able to enjoy the world, the corporate world for a while now, or if I'm a woman and I'm pregnant, how do I transition and enjoy different seasons of my life where I'm working and then now I've got to raise a kid? Now the kid's raised up, now I could go back. How do I make sense out of these seasons? And how do I know that I'm making a decision that's consistent, aligned with my why? You see, your why is not located in your home only. Right? Some people say, you know, I know my purpose. It has to, and I said, no, 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 that has to do with just with your family. Your why transcends not only your family life and your role there, whether you're a father, a mother, husband, wife, or a, a child, your why also transcends your work life. It tra- it, it's all-encompassing. It includes, it's who you are wherever you are. That's the point I'm trying to make. You, there's not one you at home, if I were to see you there, And then another you at church, if I were to catch you there. And then another you at your corporate office or wherever you work. There's a you. And I'll find that you no matter where I go. Until and unless you find that person, you really have not discovered yourself yet. I'm going to touch on that in a minute. I'm going to talk about self-awareness for the rest of my talk. But I just wanted to, to touch on this. And so how we find our why is by finding the things that you do for free. That was number one. How do you find your why? Number one, find the thing that you would do for free. This means I'm talking passion now. Find the things that you do for free. In other words, what explains why you're entering into that profession or that field to enter into that profession, what explains why you're there doesn't solely have to do with just money per se or status. I, I want to I be in a suit. I, I want people to look at me this way. I want people to treat me this way. I want, I, I people to, I want people to stop doing whatever they've been doing, and that's why. I want to prove to mom. I want to prove to someone. No, no, no. You want to find the thing you do for free. It's not to say that it's going to be for free, but it's just to say you're getting closer and closer at what exactly it is that God is calling you to when you're able to offer an explanation to yourself that doesn't begin and end with just money. Does that make sense? There's a lot of people out there. You see a lot of salesmen. You see a lot of charlatans. You see a lot of snake oil salesmen. You see a lot of advertisements on our YouTube of people selling you all sorts of stuff, but their heart's not behind the product. And every one of us knows someone who believes in something And that's why that they're selling it. That's why they created it, patented it, produced it. And someone who's just selling it because they know it's just another easy way to make a killing off of of some demographic. And we want to be people who stand behind what we're about. That's why I don't just sign up for any church to pastor. What do I want to know? I want to know their why. I want to make sure that 
my why as a, as a candidate pastor is consistent with their why. Otherwise, we're going to be in trouble, right? I want to make sure that are we in line in terms of values, in terms of beliefs, in terms of vision, in terms of core values, in terms of where we're headed. That's why if I'm going to apply for a job, I'm going to want to make sure that I know the why of this company. Because I know if I were to go forward and end up getting hired, it's not about me just showing up and clocking in or signing in and doing my hours. I want to make sure, again, that I feel like I'm a part of something bigger than myself. And the only way that that can happen is if I know the why and that my why is consistent with this why. So you want to find that. You want to find that. That's important. You want to find the thing that you would do for free. This isn't about bumming. This isn't about just sitting in the basement and pursuing my hobby and never getting up and making something of myself. No. At the end of the day, we can talk about how we want to also make sure that whatever we're producing is recognized in the market and the society. I don't want to sit on a degree or two when I could have known all the while that that degree is not valued, at least at this time in the world. I want to give my energy and my studies and time towards something that I know when I get out is going to actually land with the profession. That's important. That's important. But at the same time, you want to make sure. I remember when I was pursuing ministry, I had to think about these things. I came out of the world. So I'm thinking about a lot of things fleshly, a lot of the degrees and the pursuits, programming, computer science, med school, pre-med, all of these things I was pursuing, and I was finding out as, as notable as these professions are, what was most important is what was my motivation for going in these directions? Were they consistent with my why or were they? Once I got more and more aligned with my why, I grew in self-awareness, I found out my heart wasn't there. I had all sorts of other reasons that explained why I was heading in this direction. But as soon as I began to be more and more aligned with myself. Guess what happened? I ended up finding the very thing that I was afraid of ended up being the very thing I was most passionate about. I was most passionate about. I always tell people, work on your craft. Invest in your skill set and your abilities. The money will come. You need to put in the time and the energy. You're never, a lot of times the passion won't even come. The passion wasn't there immediately for me in ministry, what brought passion was the consistency of investing in my craft. Over time, and it didn't take much time, I began to be rewarded with passion. Because even people who start off with passion, your favorite basketball player will tell you this, your favorite football player will tell you this, your favorite artist or celebrity figure who's involved in something, when you look at it, it looks like they're passionate all the time. No, even the best of them. Even the ones in the field that you think, oh, in that field, there's no way you could be passionless. Have seasons, periods in their life where it's like, I hope I got a better reason than just the dollar amount or whatever why I'm doing this thing. I remember uh, Kobe Bryant was getting interviewed in, uh, in one of these most recent interviews. It's a famous interview that's gone, gone on and gone around. I forget the gentleman's name who talked about this. And Kobe said, the one thing that I had a one-up on a lot of these players, he said, when I set foot in, the reason why I wanted Jordan, I wanted time with him was because he stood out over against all of the players, virtually all of them, he was bold enough to say. He says, 
they weren't there for the reasons that I was there. They put in just their amount of time because the money was so good, they lost their drive very soon. And he says, I was too hungry. He talked about his passion. He talked about his passion. And that's what's going to give you an edge. You having the right reasons for pursuing what you pursue over against all of those others who go after those same fields when it gets more and more competitive. You'll be surprised how many people are out there who are, who are in the professions or the fields that they're in, not because their why got them there, but because of something else, less than a why, that got them there. And if you have been making it a point in your life to make it a practice, to allow your why to get you wherever it is that you end up in life, guess what? You're going to have that much of an advantage wherever you find yourself, in whatever, in whatever field. It doesn't matter, in whatever field. There's a lot of people who make babies, you'll believe it, just because I want pictures, just because I want photos. My biological clock is ticking, and I just, I got to have one. I got to have two, because my sister got one. Now give me a baby. I mean, there's a lot of people who live off of their what? Just making babies. That's it. They have no why. And, and then when the babies come and then you got to raise them and you find out how much they don't have the patience or the love or the regard or the time that it's going to take to invest, you don't just drop them off and go do your thing. No, no, no. You, gotta, you don't bring in the baby into the world is just one thing. Raising the child is a whole nother thing. And you find out your why did not drive you to bring a child into this world. You see, it applies everywhere when your purpose is right. The second thing we talked about was do a joy review. Remember that? Do a joy review, which means you may not realize this, but if you just took the time, if you just took the time to be able to look at your life, the jobs that you've had, the experiences that you've had, you'll find traces, hints, clues of experiences you've had that have brought you fulfillment. Maybe you weren't paid for it. Maybe it was just for a season. Maybe it was prolonged. But you'll notice those are clues given to you by God that lead you to believe, you know what? Whatever it is I'm supposed to ultimately be doing, this is helping me get closer and closer to that. Do a joy review. It's already in your life. You're not starting life right now. There are things that God has done. There are places, there are experiences that God has given you and me in our past, recent or distant, that God wants you to use to be able to discern just what is his purpose for your life. I, I say joy review, but I also say, you know what? A lot of times, one of the ways I've discovered that people find their purpose is also by doing a, ready? Pain review. A pain review. Sometimes the best way to find your purpose is in your pain. I know people who've started abuse organizations that have taken off and are international now. I know people who are, have started all sorts of organizations that are benefiting developing companies, uh, countries. How did it happen? They were children who experienced that in developing countries at one time. They were women or young men, boys, who were abused physically or sexually at one point. And they grew up having overcome that experience of theirs, found healing, recovered from the trauma, began to build up their lives again, had to now figure out what they were to do with their lives after coming out of all of that and said, you know what? This is what I'm going to do with my life. My purpose is to ensure that no one else has to pass through what was my childhood experience. It's more than money, baby. <laughs> it's more than money. 
It's more than money. It's tied to something more profound. You see, that person is involved in a part of something, and I believe it, that is bigger than them. Do a joy review, but even more, do a pain review. Maybe it's what led to your conversion. For me, what brought me into the pastor, I didn't just get saved. I also, very closely, only three years in, discovered that God was calling me to vocational ministry was because of my radical conversion. A lot of what surrounded what my life involved in university, in adulthood, in early adulthood, and, and everything before, and what went on, and how God saved me and rescued me out of that, all of that pain, all of that heartache, all of that disappointment, all that went into not dying, but God saving me at that point, resulted in me having a profound desire to want to be invested in people's lives and see them meet Jesus, but not only meet Jesus, but grow up and become mature disciples of Jesus Christ and have to avoid that. That's what gives me passion to want to disciple my kids because I feel like God so reached me and so saved me and has been doing such a work in my life that all of a sudden the guy who never wanted to have a child, the guy who told every girl, don't talk to me about having a kid, all of a sudden wanted to be the guy who wanted to get married. I didn't ever want to get married as a non-Christian. But all of a sudden, I loved marriage when God saved me. And I wanted to have children because I felt like now I had a why. And now I had a heart that wanted to not only bring them into the world, but also want to see them raise up serving the Lord together with mom and dad. So do a joy review and a pain review. Try different things. Try different things. Don't just think that the one thing that you're at right now is going to be the deal breaker that is going to make or break what your purpose in your life. Maybe that's not it, but I'll tell you this. God's trying to show you something in that that's going to help you in the next chapter that you're going to find in. Nothing going on in your life, no job you take on. I don't care if it's for six months or for three years. No path you pursue is a waste of time. There are things that God is teaching you in that season there that may have nothing to do with the job per se, but there are lessons that he wants you to take on to the next season of your life. So try different things as well. Find what makes your heart race. Don't be afraid of vulnerability. A lot of us avoid those areas that make us vulnerable, and we choose things that we think keep us intact. That's not what you want to do. Sometimes those vulnerabilities expose what God wants to work on and expose what God wants to see flourish in your life. But it's going to take a step of faith. It's going to take a step of faith. And lastly, what we said was, can you see yourself through that profession serving others? Can you see yourself serving others? Because at the end of the day, we want to make sure that what we're doing with our lives is something that doesn't just benefit me. Of course I'm going to find fulfillment, right? No doubt. There's going to be fulfillment for me. But is there, is there any way in which I'm also adding value to other people at the same time as I'm finding fulfillment myself? Those are things I want to leave with you. Today, I just want to share with you a couple of things as far as self-awareness is concerned. And this is crucial. And so, the question I want to put up here is how to be self-aware. It's, it's amazing to me how many people do not 
spend time in this area. David told God in Psalm 139, Lord, search me. Lord, search me and see if there's any wicked thing, anything that is unhealthy within me. Paul in 2 Corinthians in chapter 11 and verse 3 said, examine yourselves. He says, examine yourselves. He said that to the church. In other words, I hope, my prayer is you would make it a practice. Every day I wake up in the morning, I take some time outside of, of course, the word of God and outside of prayer, and I just take some time of reflection. And I just want to be with me. And I want to look hard and look carefully at my life. It's when the kids aren't up yet. It's when the wife isn't up yet. It's when nobody else has me yet. Nobody can get to me through emails, through text messages, through phone calls. I just want to take a good, hard, and honest look at Neb. And it's in those times that God is able to really work on areas of your life. Self-awareness is critical. It's critical with everything that we've talked about so far. People who lack self-awareness suffer big time in life and in profession and in every area and in every respect. And so how do you become more self-aware? Now, when we talk about self-awareness, let's define it. When we talk about self-awareness, what we're saying is we're, we're someone who has a deep understanding of ourselves in terms of my needs, my weaknesses, my strengths, and how I come off to myself and more importantly, how I come off to others. How I come off to others. I, I can immediately tell somebody who's lacking in self-awareness or someone who has it. This is something probably, this is probably a superpower of mine. One of the things that has really allowed me to move forward in life as a Christian was, was not because I have more of an IQ than a lot of people. There have been a lot of people who have more IQs than me. It's EQ. It's EQ. My ability to to spend enough time with myself and myself in relationship with others and get out of myself and examine that and spend time. And I'm going to talk a little bit about some key things that are necessary for self-awareness, but I just want to put that here, okay? So motivation is going to be critical. Um, extended, extended practice. And then the third thing is feedback. So I'll talk about that in a second. Okay, that's going to be very important. The first thing I want to talk about, though, is how to be self-aware. Know yourself. you got to know yourself. Okay? you got to know yourself. What I mean by that is self-awareness is not just, not just betting on my strengths. It's also being familiar and thoroughly acquainted with my weaknesses. It, it, it involves betting on my strengths. We'll get to that in a moment. But it's not just betting on my strengths. It's also being willing to accept my shortcomings. Someone who arrives at a place where they're willing to accept their shortcomings is someone who is on their way to developing and growing in self-awareness. Okay? This is important. You'll be surprised how many people won't let it go. I remember the day came where I realized, I don't think I'm going to make it to the NBA. <laughs> and you need to end it and, and begin. <laughs> okay, for a while it was fine. <laughs> you were in middle school, you were in high school. But I realized, I played ball for 15 years. 
And I played um, first year of college, and I was going, going, and I was thinking that's what I wanted to do. And if you were to talk to me at any time from the time I was six years old when I started league all the way up to first year of university, that's where I was going. But as soon as I got closer and closer and I got brought into different pools, it's not that I didn't see it. I didn't want to see it earlier on. But I got to a point where I got thrown into a certain kind of a pool Right in certain parts of the state, on certain certain leagues that tried out certain pro players that don't make it to the NBA, that I realized, you know what? I'm not going to make it. <laughs> this is a waste of time, and I've got to come to grips with that. Was it painful? You better believe it was painful. It was really hard. It was really hard to come to grips with that because I spent so many years convincing. It wasn't so much, you know, that that term, "fake it till you make it." Right? You almost talk yourself into the situation, so you manifest your reality, so to speak. <laughs> so I'm all for positivity, or the better, the better word would be, I'm all for optimism. I believe in that. I, I, I do believe there is a sense in which I, the battle is in the mind. And a lot of times you have to, you can't wait to see yourself in practice in certain activities before you start getting behind that. You, you almost need to get there in your head before you're there in practice. So I know there's a place to that, but I call that optimism grounded in practicality, right? And I think what I had going on was, was delusional optimism, <laughs> right? And I needed to just wake up. And I needed to help. And I'm going to touch on that with feedback. I'm going to talk about having, pick, finding key people, doing some homework, and finding key people and surrounding them and, and giving them the permission to talk to you, right? So I had people in my life that set me straight, okay? And I had people who had to talk to me and let me know, look, you're, you're, you're 19 right now. You need to really think seriously because right now, if you begin to make moves in your early 20s, you can set yourself in a good position by the time you're in your 30s. So that woke me up. Was it hard? <sighs> you better believe it. You better believe it because it already took quite a bit to get my mind around, I'm an NBA player. I'm not there, but I see myself. I, I walked around like an NBA player. I, I behaved like one. I set foot onto courts and blacktops at well-known places. I... I just carried myself like that. And so just imagine to have the needle come up against the balloon. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was very hard. But guess what? I realized part of knowing myself is not only betting on my strengths, but it's being willing to accept my shortcomings. Being willing to understand, you know what? I don't have a voice like certain singers. I'm not going to be that. Sometimes, you know what happens? Sometimes we don't get it wrong as far as what we're picking. Sometimes, in my case, it meant walking away from it altogether. In other people's case, in case you're hearing me, what was the uh, New York Times uh, coach during Jordan's era? What's his name? Uh, Gundy? Is it or Van Gundy? Is it Jeff Van Gundy? Jeff Van Gundy was not made for basketball, but he had a passion for basketball, right? He had a passion growing up, and as far as he thought, he was going to make it, but he didn't, and he had to grow in self-awareness and wake up. So what, did, what ended up happening? He gave up basketball altogether? No. The particular role he was going to have to basketball was going to be as a coach. That was his lane. You see, sometimes you may not be all off. It just means, is that what you're going to be? So for some of us, think of a profession 
Think of some area that people spend their lives as a calling. It may just be that I've got my finger on it in terms of... there. I know a lot of people who thought who were involved with ministry, who lived in the church. And then when they came to a certain age, they ended up not being a preacher. But guess what? They were involved in ministry in all sorts of different ways that were equally, if not more, vital to the ministry and to the work of God. You see? So what happens is we're filling our way. We're filling our way. And even though it may not be that, you may still be in that field, in that profession. You just may need to find out through growing in self-awareness that that role in particular may not be it, but it may be in another area. And you've got to, in, in any case, still accept it. And so think about that as well. I don't want you guys running away from professions when there are other aspects of that field that if you just knew about it, you'd be like, oh, I was about to throw the whole baby out with the bathwater when this may well be it. So it's great, it's great to admire. That's what I did. I admired. But at the end of the day, you've got to stick to your own DNA. I admire Jordan. I admired other people. There were people who I use. I'm going to talk about reverse engineering in a moment here and the importance of that. I used that to be able to serve as a model to get myself. I knew what I wanted to be. But I found out a lot of times, one of, the, one of the problems that a lot of people have, especially in the arts, I see this with preachers and so forth. Sometimes I'll see a preacher, I could tell, I could tell who he's watching or who he's listening to all week long, right? By their mannerisms or by their voice or their postures. I could name them all right now. You know, I could tell, okay, I know who you're YouTubing. I know who, you, who your playlist is. Right, And then you get up and you're just a carbon copy of that person. You, that person is not yet in their own skin. Maybe they haven't put enough hours in. And I understand in the beginning you need models. Everyone, if you're a singer, if you're a writer, if you're a podcaster, if you're a content producer, if you're somebody who is a personality or you have to, you need models to admire and to somehow help you to be able to get comfortable in your own skin. But at some point, you've got to be the best version of you. Right? That's why you're on this earth, and nobody else matches who you are. And that's important in, in terms of knowing yourself. There's nothing wrong with admiring people that you are appreciative out there who are crushing it. But just make sure you understand your DNA is unique to you. And what this world needs is not another them. What this world needs is you. You. Just as you are. Maybe mature, maybe developed, but you. You. And self-awareness is what gets us there. Number two, have, you got to have thick skin. You got to have thick skin. Right? If, if, I don't know if some of you guys are going to be content producers. You're going to be out there where your stuff is going to be exposed, whether it's in terms of blogs or writing or YouTube uh, creation of videos or whatever it is in the form of songs, rap, in the form of speaking, preaching, teaching, if we got future pastors or whatever it is, I, I know a lot of guys who will not go forward to get themselves out there who have value to offer to the world because they're scared of the comment section. They're scared of what people are going to say. They're scared of people's reviews on Amazon. They're scared of what would happen if they take... Remember I talked about vulnerability? That's why I was talking about vulnerability earlier. 
Because a lot of people will steer away. They make their decision with what they want to do based on what they fear. This is what I fear. I stay away from that. When your fears may be the very hint and the very clue that that may well be the direction. So instead of addressing your issues, you just bury them and allow people to steer you in a whole other direction. And so what I'm saying is you're going to have to have thick skin. What, the reason why I say that is it's hard to be confronted by me or by another person or just life itself and know that I'm faking it. That I may have pulled it off with this person or that person, but I'm really not being myself. It's hard to develop self-awareness because I got to be honest about the fact that I have needs. And until and unless I recognize them and embrace them, I'm never going to get any help. It's hard to recognize that I have weaknesses that, where, that are other people's strengths. And I want them to be my strengths, but they're not. And it looks like they're not going to be my strengths anytime soon. It's hard. And therefore, you got to have thick skin. you got to be ready to be confronted with that raw self of who you are, that you are just not cracked out to be all that you think you are. And that's part of adulting. And life sometimes hits us with it, and sometimes those who love us enough and, are, and want to see our lives head somewhere have to also share this with us. And so in order, because sometimes we say we want to hear it, we do want to grow, we do want to develop in self-awareness, but then i got to ask myself, do I really? Am I really prepared to hear it like I really need to be hearing it? Because it's going to take thick skin. And there are some people who won't even begin the journey of developing in self-awareness because they already know what's going to happen. And so they don't even start to begin with. There are others who've dabbled in it and tasted it a bit, and guess what? They left. They left a relationship that could have gone somewhere and headed somewhere. They left a community or a church that could have, that could have really been invested in their lives, but somebody said something, somebody offered, some of somebody helped in some way, and they heard a message, maybe this one. Um, <clears throat> they read a book, and they just chucked everything about that. And so their whole life is about avoiding certain circles or certain people and that's how they determine where to end up with their life, by avoidance, by default. When you could have thick skin. When you have thick skin, oh, man, you could move in all sorts of circles. Oh, man, if I could just tell you this, I, don't, I can't tell you enough what the currency is, the going value is right now, if you can have thick skin. It's these people who are making it. Too many people care far too much about what trolls think about them or have to say about them. It's amazing. Rather than pitying them, rather than praying for them, rather than saying, wow, this person took the time to watch my video or read my book and then ended that, which took a lot of time from their life, and then went into the comment section, the review section, and just went after it. Nothing but one negative thing after another. It's like, wow. And a lot of times it's just to drive traffic to their page or to their blog or, or to their YouTube channel or to their book or you name it. And it's like, wow, there are people like that? There are. And so rather than me being dragged down by somebody else who doesn't know me, this is why you need to develop. I didn't mention it here, but I want you to understand. Man, 
This is one thing I'm really working on. I work on it every day. Empathy. 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 I worked on this a lot. I used to have people who would just come after me. I'm like, this person doesn't know me. I always assume that way. I give the benefit of the doubt. This person writing, blasting, letting everybody else see it. He's like, he doesn't know me. I wish I had a, a chance to just sit down and talk with them. And I, I, I'm... I make it a point in an effort to understand the other person, right? This person, hurt people, hurt people. You hear that? Hurt people, people who are hurt, hurt people. There's something else going on behind this than me because they don't know me. And, and I just know I'm willing to bank on it. I'm ready. If they had just had a chance outside of the screen, outside of the camera, to be able to sit down, we'd get somewhere. We'd get somewhere. Empathy is the ability to have patience with someone, to seek to understand them, to try to find out just what makes them tick, what makes them move. Empathy is very important when it comes to self-awareness. But thirdly, I want to say something that I, um, I talked about in, in just a moment ago, um, and that is, that's right, bet on your Strengths. Bet on your strengths. This is important. This is important. So at that time, along with me finding out, I wasn't cut out for the NBA. That was a weakness. That was a shortcoming. I needed to ex- be willing to accept it. We could talk about other things. Those are more extreme versions. I needed to now not just wallow in what's my shortcoming. That's not encouraging, right? It's like, great. I'm not cut out to be that. I need to also take that energy, redirect it, and find out what are my strengths. Now, I could talk about there's a whole exercise, ways in which you can find out how to know what your strengths are and how you could bring people in, and you can take tests. Some of you have taken Enneagrams. Some of you have taken Myers-Briggs. Others of you have found out in different ways. Different communities, different people, use the church. Use people that care about you, but not mom, not dad, not... Use people who are in your life who know you enough, but make sure, it could be mom or dad, but just make sure that they can give you the honest truth, right? That's, good. That's very important. Sometimes you have to really set people up with the question before you invite their input. You need to let them know, look, I really need the honest truth. My future is dependent on this, and I had to. And you got to bet on your strengths because the moment you find out what your strengths are, you're able to double down on them. You double down on him, and you just go hard and crush it. You put all your chips in this direction. This is part of developing self-awareness. Self-awareness gets you to the place as soon as I knew that I had inklings. And the way I found out was not, oh, I sense God is calling me. This is important for you guys. Even though your situation is different from mine, mine is my truth as far as pastorate. Yours, you got to apply it for you. It began with me. I, all right? I needed to personally have a sense, but I, it needed to be more than just me. If I'm the only one who senses that, that I have a calling in this direction, I'm in trouble, right? Because I'm not, I don't get into a closet and just preach to myself. Other people have to be prepared to endure what I have to offer. And so I needed a community. And so what ended up happening is, since I, w- I wasn't clear, I didn't just sit and say, oh, well, I'm not clear on what I want to do with my life. No. To the degree that I could, I invested. 
right? So I taught a Bible study here. I led a college group here. I led some youth here. I brought some men over to my apartment, and I taught here. Any opportunity, if there's a birthday, I'll preach at it. If there's a, a wedding, let me preach at the months. <laughs> if you got a housewarming, invite me there and give me 15 minutes. I'm sure I'll find a word for housewarming, right? I look for any and every opportunity. I went to the juvenile hall. I went to the prison facilities, right? And so I, I just, what I did was I, put, I clocked my hours in. And what that did is it gave me an idea whether it's like, ooh, not for me. I need to begin to go in a whole another direction. Or I was like, okay, it looks like there's something here. But what helped me was other people began to come up to me and says, hey, have you ever thought about, have you ever considered, you know, if you ever pursue, I would really, I, I think that, and so now I'm getting external confirmation to what was an internal witness. So it was now just not what I ate. It wasn't just feelings of mine. I saw somebody on TV and I wanted to be that, right? Sometimes admiration and inspiration comes that way, but it has to be more than just my fantasies, my dreams. It's also got to be tangible. People have to be able to say, you know what? And so what happens is where I go, it's like, hey, is there a church that you pastor? Is there any other place or any other way I can get your content? It's like, hey, you make me feel like I just want to leave this place and get into my word. When I start hearing things like that, then I, I find out, okay, there's something there. You see? You, I find out there's a strength. Now I'm going to bet on my strength. which means I'm going to double down. And I went hard after it. I wanted to find out everything that went into developing this craft, right? Whether it was books I needed to have, whether it was study, preparation, spiritual disciplines, prayer, fasting, mentors, people I needed to invite in, who I needed to know out there right, in the world who's been doing this for 20 plus years, I brought them all into my world and I pushed myself and I drove like a laser beam. I didn't look at anything else from 19, 20 years old to this, to 35 years old for 15 to 16 years. I did not have a life, if you will. I gave up so many things. I was clueless about a lot, and I just poured myself in my craft. It's only relatively recently that I'm catching up in a lot of things. I'm a latecomer to a lot of stuff. Why? Because I knew that's what it was going to take to pursue something and pursue excellence and mastery in that area. You see, that's important. If you guys are, wherever you're at, what I would say is as soon as you find your strength, triple down on it. And go all in. Pedal to the metal. Go all in. And whatever that field of yours is, and whatever it would mean for you, you would have to contextualize it. Whatever it means for you. And I'm going to get to that in, in this next point here. So when I say whatever it means for you, part of what it means is reverse, just one more point. Reverse engineer. Reverse engineer. Success. Okay? So when I say um, reverse engineer success, I mean this. And I'll just end with this. What I mean is find out who are the most mature in that area. Okay? Whatever that field is. 
Who is it? So for me, I was looking at who were those pastors and preachers who were between 45 or 50, not people who are around my age. I knew, I'm aware of those who are around my age, but I don't want just people who've been at it as long as I have. I want people who've been around, haven't been disqualified, have had a chance to live and minister long enough to have upstanding character and contribute value. Who are they who are in their 40, between 45 and 60? Because that's where I want to head. That's the destination, right? When you reverse engineer, you start with the end in mind, right? And I want to look at their lives. I want to look at their marriages. I want to look at their personal lives. I want to look at their life on stage, behind the stage, and off stage. And I want to see what did it take for them to get there. Now, my whole life, every day I wake up, and I'll talk about this another week. I'll talk about what your rituals look like, your day-to-day, my morning rituals, my afternoon rituals, my evening rituals, everything that goes in to this, right? This is just 45 minutes, 40 minutes. You have to understand what goes into each day, each week, what I look at, your sleep time, your wake time, how you handle yourself in social settings, what, where you give your time, and how you prioritize yourself. You need to seize this moment, and now from this point onward to that reverse engineer, that end point, you need to make it a point to be using all these days that you're given to get closer and closer to that model of success, whatever that model of success looks like. That's what reverse engineering is. Lastly, stay in your lane, okay? I'm close. You guys have been great. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane, all right? I just, I just accept. You know what? LeBron James picks up a basketball, and he does that with it, right? And he makes that much with it. We pick up the same basketball, but it doesn't translate over into that dollar amount, right? It's like, we can play basketball, but we're not a basketball player like that, right? Okay, that's an extreme version. But what I'm trying to say is, the moment, the second I am able to be contented in staying in my lane, understanding, you know what? That's her strengths. That's his strengths. That's what they do. I'm going to celebrate that. I'm going to admire that. I'm going to value that. But I'm going to make sure that I prioritize and preoccupy myself, not with why am I not in that lane, but rather thank God that I have a lane. And God now help me to stay in this lane. Because the moment I'm able to stay in my lane is the moment I'm able to bet on my strengths. I'm able to work on reverse engineering my success. I'm able to have the thick skin. I'm able to know myself the way I ought to. And so, in closing, I want to really ask that you, I want to leave these with you guys. And my prayer is that this week would be a chance for you guys. Maybe get a buddy or two or a sister, a gal. Get together. Have a time of prayer and really look with each other, you know, find a spouse, find someone who's in your life and, and, and have this honest conversation with each other, but also be prepared, right? There's something that goes into having this. Before you have it, you need to do some mental exercise. Am I ready to have this conversation? Am I ready to hear whatever? The Bible says in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. There's safety, right? There's safety. Why? Because you're going to develop you're going to develop in this self-awareness. And that means the, the majority of your life is going to be devoted toward what you need to be doing with your life. That's the thing. I'll give you one analogy and I'll, I'll close. I never, I, you know, I read a, a lot 
And I, I never wanted to buy a book that I would dread after I read it and be like, why did I pay the money for this thing? So I found out how to do that, right? It's by looking to people that I respect and I value who've either read the book or who can endorse the person who, who read the book, who wrote the book. And if I respect that person, if I value that person, if I know that they're willing to go public with that, then I'll read the book. That's why endorsements are so big. And that's why we have something called forwards, right? The author doesn't write it. Somebody else does. In the same way, I wanted to make sure that I looked back at my life in my 40s and my 50s and I didn't regret it, okay? The only way you could do that is by going through this rigorous process of self-awareness, this rigorous process of self-awareness. Otherwise, there's only two ways to learn, your mistakes and shortcomings or the mistakes and shortcomings of others. Otherwise, you're going to have to live the life that you live and then have to make the changes at that point. My hope for you is, as we're coming to a close, you would take these things seriously and take time, even if it means a whole day, a whole weekend, a week, and really get honest with yourself. Because to the degree that you are honest with yourself, everything else is going to come together for your life. And you're going to be just out there like, I tell you, you, you don't understand how I wake up in the mornings. I look forward to each day. It's crazy how much I look forward. The, the morning can't come soon enough. I'm like, where is it? Man, this, this alarm clock is not even going on. I'm waking up before the alarm clock. Like, come on. I'm ready to face the day, right, and live all over again. I want you guys to have that. And it has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with how you were born. It has nothing to do with your It has nothing to do with that. God wants to give you this. This is why he created you. This is why you belong to him. Amen? Let's stand if we could. Father, we, we just want to thank you and pray, especially as we go forward into our week. My prayer is that as we are seeking, Lord God, not only to know ourselves, but know you better, that you would help us, Lord God, as we had a chance to look at just what all goes into developing in our self-awareness. My prayer is, Lord, that each person would be helped this week. That this would be an encouraging exercise. That this would be something that would result in lasting fruit and lasting change. And that our lives would be lives that we look forward to again. And that whatever challenges have existed, whatever pain has been there, whatever sense of frustration, I know it could be there. I understand. I pray for hope. I pray for encouragement. I pray, Lord God, for re-instilled confidence that you would recenter your people, Lord God, and give them a purpose all over again to live. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.